and gentlemen, welcome to America's Auto Enthusiast Program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me here for another hour of Auto World. And it's the hour we all look forward to, the hour which we are joined by the CEO of the Lou Page, Dan Watson, a gentleman with more than 25 years worth of experience in lubrication and one of the largest AMSOIL dealers in all of North America, a, uh, a veteran of the Navy where he had uh, experience in nuclear submarines, nuclear propulsion, and all around a great communicator. Telephone-wise, if you have a question about anything in the realm of oils, lubrications, uh, of, of lubrication for other things besides cars, stuff like boats or ATVs, motorcycles, we'd, we'd love to hear from you, and we can help you out at 855-660-4261. We welcome all of our new listeners. Each and every week we are joined by new folks, so if it's your first time being with us, we welcome you with open arms. If you get a chance, check out my website, autoworldradio.com. The network also has a site at GCNLive. Com, where you can listen when you're away from your local radio station, or you can listen to shows like Auto World in podcast form, in archive form, or an on-demand form. So uh, by all means, check that out. And also check out thelubepage.com, because that's a site put together by our good friend Dan Watson, who joins us live now. Happy New Year, Dan. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, off to a great... 2019. I hope everybody out there listening has got their uh, self organized and ready to charge off into the new year and achieve whatever they're looking to achieve. So true. And boy, uh, driving around, uh, we both are in the same neck of the woods in the Orlando, Florida, Central Florida area. And there's an awful lot of people out there. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of them. The, the modern turbo diesel power plants you know whether it's a an automobile or whether it's a it's a truck we're seeing more and more of that but dan uh let me ask you to explain something and it's something that i've heard of but don't quite get so uh pardon me and you can help me out and help our our friends listening Explain the DPE, uh, DPF rather clearing, cleaning cycle referred to as regeneration. Is there anything the owner of a modern turbo diesel engine can do to reduce the side effects? Well, it is. It's an excellent thing to go into because I get this a lot. I have on YouTube a video. It's pretty old now. I actually need to make a new one. So five or six years old, but I spent about 20, 30 minutes going over and explaining the a diesel particulate filter that was required in 2007, 2008, depending upon the model, and the EPA required this filter because what they were concerned about was really, really fine, tiny, fine soot particles. It could get into the air and be particularly hazardous to people with asthma or other related uh, breathing difficulties. And it typically isn't much of a bother for a person without any uh, contraindicated breathing, but 
it can bother people with respiratory problems. So they wanted to do something about it, especially figuring that the more and more diesels on the road, uh, and of course we've always had just a ton of commercial diesels on the road, so it was becoming more popular for the automobiles. And our listeners may not be aware, but in Europe, uh, over 50% of the vehicles on the road are diesels. And uh, I've been in Israel about four times, different trips, and there it must be 80%. <laughs> they have all really? these little French and Spanish and Italian-made diesels running around that uh, are super efficient. You talk to the people, they're 60, 70, 75 miles per gallon vehicles. But the reason you don't see those in the United States is a much more complicated issue. It's not air pollution, uh, but we'll talk about that at another time. The um, the regeneration, first let's just give the listeners a little bit of information if they're diesel people out there or if they're interested in what all this means. The exhaust system in a modern diesel is expected to do a number of things. You're trying to clean up both the particulate with the diesel particulate filter and they're attempting to get some particularly uh, hazardous gases out of the air one of those being nitrous oxide. And so you put together, you got to have a muffler, you got to have the diesel particulate filter, and then the very newest one since about 2011, I mean, the last five years, you also have a catalytic converter and you have a uh, the ability to inject some urea fluid in which will neutralize nitrous oxide. So this thing's getting pretty complicated. You know, we've got different parts. It's almost like a whole system within itself. So they work to do what they're supposed to do. They trap that diesel particulate back there in that diesel particulate filter. But when you trap it there, like any filter, what happens when this thing gets literally filled up with soot? Your problem is, is that you've got to be able to get the exhaust flow out of the engine. Get it out the tailpipe. Well, now I got this thing as it starts to fill up with particulate. It begins to restrict airflow, exhaust flow. And then what that means is I get some back pressure starting to form. And so they design these systems to say, well, wait a minute. Once you get a certain pressure, differential pressure, different pressure on the, on the intake to the filter versus the outtake, the outlet, then you've got to do something because it's going to start to produce enough restriction that it's going to affect the operation of this engine. So how do you clean that diesel particulate filter? Well, they know they can clean it. The inside of it is made from these kind of things that are like uh, ceramic substrate. And so you're not going to burn it up. It can handle probably, as in ceramics, it can probably handle 2,000 degrees, okay? But how are you going to get it hot enough and burn all that carbon that you trapped in there out so that it doesn't come out the tailpipe? Well, i got a source. I've got diesel in this truck. How can I get diesel, raw diesel, into that diesel particulate filter and literally let it catch on fire and burn all that carbon out, clean it out, and we're ready to go again? That's to do that is called a regeneration cycle. And what it means is that I built up carbon, I burn it out with diesel, and I have regenerated the filter back to where it can now trap more carbon. Okay. Now, all of that is a pretty straightforward theory, 
Now, always theory of practice becomes a little bit more complicated than just writing it down on a piece of paper. And it turns out I've got to get that diesel back there somehow. And in in fairness to the diesel engine companies and the manufacturers about all this, this was thrown on the diesel community so fast without really any advanced warning of what the EPA was going to require and how they were going to do it that the DPS came on. Uh, you know how these trucks are built, Bob, the, about uh, the, the trucks actually – their design better be completed in January of 2017 for a 2018 model because they're going to be 2017s coming out in September. I mean, 2018. So you got to know what you're going to build early in the year. Well, the EPA hit them late enough; they had no time left to actually design and install a system to transfer diesel and get it into this filter. So what they did is. We will discuss exactly what they did right after the break. (laughs) Excellent timing, Dan, as usual. We'll do that. We'll put it in neutral, and when we come back, we'll uh, discuss this a whole lot further. This is Auto World. Again, if you have a question for Dan, 855-660-4261. Or Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com. This is Auto World. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. We're back live with Dan Watson, CEO of BalloonPage.com. Dan is explaining the DPF cleaning cycle uh, known as regeneration and the side effects thereof. And Dan, you're doing such a wonderful job of explaining a, a very complicated item and bringing it right down to folks like myself and all of our great listeners? Well, it is, um, on its face, it's a pretty simple process. But as you know, like I said, from theory to practice, taking this theory and putting it into the vehicle where it's going to work. And what I was getting to before the break was the EPA sprung this so fast on the the diesel community of what they were going to require, and they weren't waiting till the next year, although they came in late with what they were asking. It was too late for the year model, but they demanded it on the year model, which was such a situation that Volkswagen did not produce a vehicle that year. There's no, I think it's 2007, there is no 2007 Volkswagen turbo diesel. They stayed with the 2006, kept producing it, and then the 2008 is when they were able to incorporate the changes required here in the U.S. by the EPA because it came into the system so late. Well, what GM and Ford for the Power Stroke, GM for the Duramax, and uh, Dodge for the Cummins Turbo Diesel, they all decided the only thing they could do is use their install system with the computer system to actually use the injector to inject raw fuel into the exhaust system, that it would take that down through the exhaust and reach the diesel particulate filter, virtually catch it on fire with the diesel and burn out the carbon and clean it up, and that regeneration cycle would be completed. Now, that's a pretty crafty way to get around having to install new equipment. One of the side effects we're talking about here, one of the things that happened during this process is that every one of these vehicles, because when you get diesel going in on the exhaust stroke, 
what it would do is it could wash past the rings. And when it did that, we began to accumulate raw diesel in the crankcase oil, the motor oil that's in the engine. And we saw numbers as high as 10, 12, 14% fuel contamination in these systems using this regeneration process. Now, prior to the, when they started this, if you did an oil sample on a diesel engine and you had 5% fuel contamination, that was called a condemnation limit. You drained the oil and got rid of it. But here we set up a system that in many cases was doubling that amount of oil in the crankcase after a regeneration cycle. So this really threw a monkey wrench into the lubrication people because how do you keep your oil from being um, the detrimental effects of fuel contamination? It can cause the oil to be too thin. It can also call, cause multi-grade oils like a 5W40 or 1540 it can call what they call the viscosity improvers in that oil may actually be diesel soaked and begin to shear, meaning a shear back, which would cause you to just thin out the oil and you'd be running around with a, about a 20 weight oil in it. So all kinds of problems from this ingenious idea of how to get diesel back to that particular filter. Okay. Now, fast forward to 2011 and they improved the system to put a urea tank on the truck because remember we said early on that one of the requirements was to get those nitrous oxides down because they contribute to smog. We don't want the nitrous oxide coming out of the tailpipe of the truck and we don't want the diesel particulate coming out. So we put on the DPS and early on the way that they attacked the nitrous oxide emissions was to use exhaust gas recirculation. What does that mean? It means off your exhaust, you port exhaust up and put it back into the intake of the engine. You might ask yourself, why in the world would you want to do such a thing? Well, you really don't want to do that because any of that air mixture that comes in that has already been burnt is depleted of oxygen. And you're trying to get enough oxygen in to match with your fuel to get a good, efficient fuel burn. Well, you bring this this other burnt exhaust back in because you want to keep the combustion temperatures from reaching the elevated levels they could under normal operations with full oxygen. And that higher temperatures in the combustion chamber creates more nitrous oxides in the exhaust. So if you can cool that down some, then you can reduce the nitrous oxide emissions. That was the plan, but the EGR, exhaust gas recirculation, EGR, sometimes in those systems was running as high as 50%. 50% of the air getting into the cylinder was already burnt and full of soot, by the way. That soot would get blasted down, and you would be packing soot in the engine oil, and you would reduce the power of the engine and lose in many cases, four or five miles per gallon with this system going on. Not good, but mm. it accomplished what the EPA wanted, okay? So in other words, we don't care if the thing runs right. We don't care what the conditions are, what we've done to the engine. We met the legal requirement of the EPA, Environmental Protection wow. Agency. So now, in 2011, they'd had time to actually design a system that they didn't have time to do initially, 
they put this urea tank on because rather than neutral, try to reduce the temperature of the cylinder, let the engine run to its maximum efficiency and use a treatment system of putting urea into the exhaust. And when I inject that urea in, it will uh, react with the nitrous oxide and form water vapor. Okay, so great system. Anybody out there that's got a urea tank, pat yourself on the back and know just how much better off you are than the guys before you that didn't have it. They're still suffering this incredible amount of EGR that's going on in that engine. Okay, now once we got that SCR system on, it's a great improvement. We're doing less exhaust gas recirculation, but we've still got soot building up in that, that filter, and we still have to send diesel fuel down through the exhaust to get it to there to burn it out. Well, 2013, General Motors put what we call the ninth injector, the V8 diesel. They put an injector back in the exhaust, and that injector now injects the diesel fuel in, so it no longer comes through the engine. It's no longer pushed through the exhaust system. It's direct injected to clean that filter. And that's what all the big, big trucks use, and that's what all the trucks should use, and I don't know why um, that the Dodge Cummins and the Ford Power Stroke are lagging behind and taking that action because it is the correct smart thing to do as far as this cleaning this DPF. So it's sort of the history there of the problems in doing this. But as a owner of the truck, you say, well, what are the side effects of this thing that that are bad? Well, one is it's it's putting diesel into your crankcase oil, which is not necessarily a good idea. Now, mm-hmm. that diesel does get vaporized out over time, so it's not going to stay there the whole time. If it did, you can imagine, Bob, the engine just keeps filling up with oil and pretty deep. The bottom of the crankshaft would be like a big egg beater just beating in the crankcase <laughs> oil that is just two or three gallons of diesel added in there, and pretty soon there's no oil, mostly diesel, but that doesn't happen. Uh-oh, another break. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll finish up after this. All right, I promise we'll finish break. after the break. All right, more with Dan Watson straight ahead right here on Auto World. Hi, this is Jay Leno, and you're listening to Auto World with Bob Long. What's up, man? How you driving? Channel like that, I'm telling you. Thanks so much for joining us here on Auto World. Dan Watson is with us. We've been talking about diesel particulate filters, regeneration, side effects, and uh, Dan, you've done a great job of explaining without question a, a rather difficult uh, a problem that lots of people uh, face, but uh, with your guidance, uh, you, you're getting everybody through it, including myself. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I've talked to so many diesel owners that didn't even know why they were adding urea to a tank and they were put out with it and what this was all about. And, again, let me reiterate, if you have a urea tank, you're 900% better off than the guys from 2007 to 2010, the 7, 8, 9, and 10 models that had heavy exhaust gas recirculation, a DPF, and no urea tank because that – Oil can get really dirty, and you make so much soot that that DPF gets filled up with it so fast that you're doing a lot of regeneration cycles. So here's the point in this system. What can we do, what can owners of the truck do to mitigate the side effects of heavy fuel contamination of the oil, 
uh, loss of fuel economy because there's so much being wasted in this recycle event. How can you do something about this in this regeneration, excuse me? And here's what you got to do. The whole thing we're doing here, the source of it is soot. If soot was not generated, the DPF would never fill up, okay? In other words, if the truck ran and didn't produce any soot, it wouldn't put any soot in the in the DPF, and that particular filter would never fill up, and we wouldn't have to worry about having to burn it out and do a regeneration cycle. So all we can do with this engine is determine how we can make it produce less soot. How are we going to do that? Well, number one, this is a diesel engine that has a computer that controls the fuel-air mixture by running a turbo and using some of the most complex injectors that have ever been designed and built. They run as high as 24, 25,000 PSI pressure in these injectors, and they do a tremendous job by design. But they don't tolerate getting dirty very well. So one of the things you have to initially understand quickly is that you got to keep the injectors in pristine condition. And that means that you're going to have to run some type of diesel injector cleaner on a regular basis that will not only clean the tip. The tip of the injector is critical to getting a 360-degree puff of diesel into the cylinder. And the term we use a lot of times, Bob, is that that, that stuff needs to be so finely distributed that it's literally atomized, that it is, mm-hmm. it is in the air. It's such a fine thing that it's almost like one hydrogen uh, carbon uh, atom next to an oxygen atom, so they burn. You know, I mean, that's getting too far down. It's really at the molecular level, not the atom level. But what I'm saying is incredibly fine mixed. All you have to have is just a little bit of varnish on the tip of that injector, and it won't do it. What it'll do is it'll push out large droplets rather than a great, wonderful, fine puff mist that comes out. If it does that, that raw diesel that comes in as a droplet rather than as a fine, fine, fine mist will not burn efficiently. An unburnt diesel or partially burned diesel is soot. That's the source. If I could 100% efficiently burn this modern, clean diesel with no impurities in it, I would virtually have no soot. But soot is ash. It is partially burned fuel that didn't fully burn in the combustion process. So what I need to do is make that combustion process as efficient as I possibly can and reduce the soot. And if I reduce the source of the soot going down the tailpipe, then it'll take a long time for that diesel particulate filter to get filled up. Okay, how do I do this? Well, I use a high-quality diesel injector cleaner, okay? Now, of course, I would tell you that Amzo makes an outstanding one called diesel injector cleaner, right? But we're not the only one. There's other ones out there that make diesel injector cleaners. But if you own one of these modern turbo diesels, do yourself a favor and run a high-quality proven diesel injector cleaner to keep those injectors factory clean, just like they came out. Now, the other thing about these injectors, these new injectors, they're down to about 25% of the size of the original big injectors that would have been in 1995 model. Mm -hmm. And these little injectors inside the injector, there's what they call an armature and a barrel, and inside of there, there's little tight clearances. And this thing actually, if you can imagine it like a cylinder inside of something, it actually moves when the injector pushes the fuel out, it pulses mm-hmm. the fuel out, okay? Now, if you get gummy stuff up in that barrel, 
it slows the action of that injector down, and it can slow it down enough that it will, it's like taking the timing off on a gasoline engine. It will actually mess up the timing of the injector because it can't fire quick enough. Now, for our listeners to understand, these injectors could fire six times in one revolution with the diesel running 3,000 RPM. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are absolutely quick, down into the tiny uh, milliseconds, okay, maybe even close to a microsecond, but they are incredibly quick. You do anything to slow that down, and you're going to mess up the whole operation. So you got to use an injector, which is designed to clean the interior injector deposits off. Okay, you got to use that. The old cleaners won't do it, so get one that says it'll do that. Now you got clean injectors. The other part you got to have is a clean, or what I would say, as clean as it should be, intake air filter. Never let the air get restricted in a filter when you have a turbo-driven gas or diesel vehicle because. That will reduce your turbo efficiency. Turbos do a boost. In other words, if I had no pressure coming in and it listed to, say, I don't know, uh, 10 pounds. Let's just use that, a 10-pound boost. But what about if I pull a vacuum on the intake that's equivalent to about 3 pounds negative? Then what that means is I can only get a boost of 7 pounds because I can't get the air through. I can't boost it. So I'm trying to use this turbo to boost the pressure in the cylinder why would I do that, folks? I do that because I want more oxygen in the cylinder, and I only inject the amount of fuel that's going to be commiserate with the amount of oxygen, and that's based upon how many atmospheres of pressure that I put in. If I had two atmospheres of pressure in that cylinder, I'd have twice the oxygen of one atmosphere. So mm-hmm. I build up the pressure, I put more oxygen in, I can burn more fuel, I can make more power. That's the reason you turbocharge things. So. I got this thing turbocharged. I now have good airflow. My injectors are clean. I'm not making a lot of soot because modern ultra-low sulfur diesel doesn't make much soot. I've got a nice, clean operation going on. And that's what you need to do to reduce the amount of soot that's being created so the DPF will not uh, be going needing the regeneration as often as it does. Now, since... Most of these diesels, the Fords and the Dodges, still push it through the engine, but even so in the GM, you need to use a very shear-stable diesel engine oil. Okay, And what do I mean by that? Don't let the fuel be breaking down any viscosity improvers and causing your oil to shear back to something less than the 40 weight that it's rated at. And that can happen. A lot of oils that use cheap viscosity improvers, they will not hold up with fuel contamination, and they'll shear back and you'll get very poor lubrication performance, and you'll start wearing your engine out, okay? So you must use a high-quality, shear-stable engine oil in these diesels. Now, Amsoil has a, a newer one they made that's kind of in response to all this. It's called Max Duty Diesel Oil. That oil has six times the protection requirement according to the Detroit Diesel Standard, not Amsoil standard, it's Detroit diesel standard for how you test oil for its wear protection. This Amsoil diesel oil comes in at six times that wear indicator. It, there's nothing like it in the marketplace. It's also extremely shear stable. Okay? 
Well, Bob, it's taking longer than I thought to get all this done, but we'll wrap it up in the next break. <laughs> okay, that sounds great, Dan. And if you have a question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com. Dan Watson at TheLubePage.com. We'll be right back after these messages. This is AutoWorld. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard Dan the stories of the hot He joins us live here as he does every week at this very same time on this very same station or GCNlive.com. And we've been tackling a particular subject today. Dan, and you've done a great job educating on uh, diesel particulate filters and uh, all of the things that folks need to look out for. But how would you summarize? Well, I'd say this. The systems you have are there. They do accomplish their purpose of reducing diesel particulates in the atmosphere, and we do get rid of nitrous oxide. If you have a urea tank, feel good about it because that means you don't have to do as much exhaust gas recirculation in the engine. And as I said, what you can do to mitigate the problem is use a good diesel injector cleaner to make sure your injectors run at their factory design spec. Second thing is, a lot of times you get some poor diesel. Consider using a cetane boost. Cetane is the rating on how easily diesel will ignite. You need that diesel to be able to ignite and burn cleanly, so you need a good quality diesel. So if you run a cetane boost, you'll probably uh, raise the efficiency of the burn. Okay. Now you're going to have less produced soot. However, you have enough soot in these engines that for all of these turbocharged diesel engines, I recommend that you run a special bypass filter. There's a couple of them in the market. One that's made by Amsoil is a 2.1 micron bypass filter that will remove soot. The regular filters can't because they go down to about 20 microns if they're good, 15 if they're out of this world. But you can't restrict flow enough to go any tighter than that. So you have to put on a parallel or what they call in the market a parasitic filter, which doesn't affect the oil flow to your bearings, but which can allow you to portion off a portion of the oil and keep cleaning the soot out of it. And that's all the big trucks come already designed and what they call drilled and ported and set up for the addition of a bypass filter. If you have a turbo diesel yourself, one of these big pickups, I highly recommend to you that you take a look at putting the bypass filter on it. So you're going to get out as much soot as you can with the bypass filter. You're going to cut down on the soot production with the better, the clean injectors and some cetane boost, and you're going to make sure that you've got a clean, serviceable air filter so you don't starve that turbo for any air to go through it and you get the proper boost. If you do those things, you will go a long way to reducing the number of regeneration cycles your truck will have to perform in order to keep that DPF clean. And one last thing on the DPF, I've run into this now several times, people who can't get them clean. They just won't come clean. So what you have to do then is you have to go to a place and find out if you can have that DPF cut out of the system. You hear me? Cut. Because those systems were welded in so that nobody could take them out. Well, you could go to a high-quality muffler shop or someplace and have them flange it in so that you could take it out, send it off to the professional DPF cleaners that clean the over-the-road truck DPFs, 
and bring it back and put it in and bolt it back in, and now it would be removable. That's why you did that. But you want to put it back because in almost every state, they're going to fine you big time if you take it out. Okay, you got to be careful. If you're in California, you might lose your truck. Okay, so mm-hmm. don't do it. Okay, just make sure you that DPS. Sometimes they won't clean. If they won't clean, that that regeneration cycle is going to just keep pumping at it as hard as it can. And it's going to build up a lot of diesel in your crankcase, so much that you may start hitting it with the crankshaft, and then you're going to have to really be careful. You can ruin an engine like that, so you get it all drained out and start again, but just do it again. So that's it for the DPF discussion. I'm sorry it took so long, but it's a complicated system and a complicated issue. But you did a great job, and we thank you so much for it, Dan. Nathan's been a patient guy, and... uh, he has a question. When using Amsoil Severe Gear 75W90, do I have to use a friction modifier in my differential? So this is a differential oil question, Dan. Yeah, it's a good question, but what it applies to is if you have a, uh, what they call a positive traction rear end. You know, this mm-hmm. is one where both wheels pull. Most people have yeah, a positive track, yeah. Yeah, positive track, positive traction, and and how that does that, folks. You couldn't go around the corner with both wheels turning the same distance because one would be hopping because the the arc of the circle is different for each wheel because they're six feet apart. So how do you do it? They have in that differential axle. They have a they have an actual clutch face on each one of the axles going out to the wheel, so that when you turn that inner wheel can slip on that clutch face rather than hopping around the corner. And if you've ever had one that doesn't slip right, you know, because it literally a Corvette or something, it's, that inner wheel is actually skipping going around a tight corner, and you don't want that. So what the manufacturers tell you is put a friction modifier in there that will get into the face of that clutch and will guarantee that it will make sure that it won't do that, that it will slip. Amsoil has said for years that typically you don't need that with our severe gear. But here's my advice put the friction modifier in. There's nothing worse than having a problem with it after you've changed the gear lube and you can't seem to get it to stop, and then you have to go back and you have to put in the four ounces of that flip-lock material, and now you find out that if you do that, that's overfilling the rear end, so you got to take some oil out to put that in, all that kind of stuff. So just it just put the stuff in there to begin with, and then you know you're not going to have a problem. Okay, but... When you finish changing a differential, go out to what could be these days, the empty Kmart or empty Sears parking lot. There's probably many of them in your town. And do severe uh, figure eight and back up doing severe S-turn. And the reason is you want to work this stuff into the face of those differential clutches so that it's in there good and in between the clutch plates. And you have to do that by making those real severe turns. Let's see if we can get another one in, Bob. All right, Terry in Atlanta sent us an email saying his Toyota calls for synthetic engine oil and recommends 10,000-mile drain intervals. He wants to know if he can use AMS oil and go for a longer drain, or is that something he shouldn't do, and he's worried about his warranty and voiding his warranty? Absolutely. That's always a good question. Here's the deal. If you really feel totally uncomfortable going past what Toyota tells you to do and you can't, it just works on you. Amsoil makes an oil called XL. It's our mid-grade oil. It's good for 12,000 miles or one year. Lines up perfect with Toyota's 10,000-mile one-year oil chain. So just do that. Now, the reality of the situation is 
AMSOILS, long drain oils will not void your warranty. You can never void a warranty just because you use a different oil. You void a warranty when you can show that the oil caused the failure. In other words, uh, that's always the case. And for any of you out there that ever have a, a, a warranty issue that's really bad, you do yourself a favor and send me an email or give me a call because I can give you some pretty good advice on what you have to do to protect yourself when the warranty issues as far as they're starting to say, well, you didn't do the maintenance, you don't have the oil changes, whatever it is. It's too much to discuss here. Maybe we'll do it in another show, Bob. But but it, if you are in that situation and you're really scared you're going to get uh, taken to the cleaners, give me a call. I can give you a lot of things to work out on that. So I've been down that Absolutely. road several times. And give out your phone number and reiterate your, your email as well. Yeah, that phone is 800-370-2986. And my email is my name, Dan Watson at thelubepage.com, my website. So, yeah, you do yourself a favor if you've got one of those warranty issues. Give me a call. I'll help you out with some advice. We'll see if we can squeeze in a Ben in El Paso, Texas. We get a lot of questions on CVTs, and that's what Ben is talking about. I have a CVT transmission. Can I use Amsoil SIG Series ATF? No, absolutely not. You can't use AMSOIL ATF. You can't use anybody's ATF. You have to use CVT fluid. It must say that it's CVT fluid, not automatic transmission fluid. Two different animals. You probably will ruin that CVT if you put regular ATF in it. And we're seeing a lot of CVTs in in modern vehicles, so this is something everybody should pay uh, heed to here. Don't don't be fooling around putting regular automatic transmission fluid in a CVT. Use the AMSOIL CVT transmission fluid. Absolutely. that's the the route to go with that. And thank you, Ben, and El Paso for uh, writing us uh, a note. Here's a gentleman, and we can talk more about this on additional editions of Other World. But Eddie in Arkansas writes, Dan, I know you're a longtime AMSOIL dealer. How do I become an AMSOIL dealer? I took early retirement, so I have time to start another business, and I love cars. So there's a perfect candidate. Well, it is, and like we said, we don't have time to get into it, but you can get all the information you need to know about becoming an Amsoil dealer at thelooppage.com and dealing with me. And what I would tell you, one thing quick, if you're going to be an Amsoil dealer, make sure you sign up under the person that's going to actually help you, coach you, mentor you, and help you build a business, okay? That's right, and that man is Dan Watson. Dan, thank you so much for your time and all the great information. Well, Bob, it's been good. We'll see you next week. Sounds great. That's going to do it for this hour. Don't forget, Dan Watson at thelooppage.com. Drop him a note. Check out thelooppage.com. Check out all those stuff, all that stuff he did for YouTube as well. That's going to do it for this hour of Auto World. I'm Bob Watt.